I got to tell you, the one who reigns forever, you know what? He's a friend of mine. And, uh, and you know what? I, I, know who, I know who goes before me, and I know who goes behind. What, what a comfort it is to have a, a God like we have. That, that song is true. And um, those faith con- seven faith convictions, uh, I have some copies on the Welcome Center, and it actually has the scriptures with each statement where you can see that I didn't make it up, right? That it's like all that stuff is like really true and really awesome. Uh, one day, a, a tough, strong fisherman leaned up against a wall, grabbed a pen, a piece of paper, and guided by the Spirit of Christ, wrote these words. Uh, this letter is from Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. I'm writing to God's chosen people who are living as foreigners in the province of Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, Charlottesville, and Rutgersville. See? <laughs> See, all of a sudden, it's like, well, we're like, hey, I'm not from Cappadocia. He's not, yeah, he's talking to you. He's talking to us. God the Father knew you and chose you long ago, and his spirit has made you holy. As a result, you've obeyed him and have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. May God give you more and more grace and peace. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he's giving us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last times. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These trials have come so that the proving genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Wow, amen. Those are some incredible, powerful, God-breathed, life-giving words. And Maple Grove, that's how Peter starts off this incredible letter that we've been studying since April the 27th. Yeah, yeah, that's four months. A, a letter written by a guy who had a knowledge about a relationship with and access to Jesus that is unparalleled in human history. I, I mean, Peter, he, he didn't just read about Jesus. He hung out with Jesus. He, he ate with Jesus. He walked with Jesus. He, he laughed with Jesus. And he saw Jesus with his own eyes do amazing things. And Peter wrote this letter to a bunch of Jesus followers who were who were trying to do the right thing, who were trying to live the right way in the midst of some extremely difficult times. I understand, 1 Peter is a letter where Peter tells them, the first century Christians, and where he tells us, don't quit. Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. Don't lose your focus. Why? Because you have been born again and to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Why? Because you have an inheritance in heaven 
that can never perish, spoil, or fade away. You know, I was just reading this week that Bill Gates, props to Bill, I'm sure he's having a good week now, right? Because he's number one, right? The richest guy in the U.S., the richest guy in the world. He's worth $76 billion, right? That's like a lot of money. If you spent a million dollars every day, you know how long it would take you to spend that? 208 years. That's like, that's a lot of money, okay? If, 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 if I found out that I have an inheritance with Bill Gates, I go, that's good. <laughs> but I have an inheritance with God. I have an inheritance in heaven, and so do you. Why should we not quit a throw in the towel? Because we are receiving the salvation of our souls, and not because of anything that we did, but because of what Jesus Christ has already done. We are saved by grace. It is grace on which we stand. It is grace that will take us home. Amen? Grace is awesome. It's amazing. It's scandalous, right? We sing that song. Yes, Peter tells them and us, remember who you are. You are God's chosen people. You are God's sons. You are God's daughters. And remember why you're here. You're here to reflect me, my person, my character to this world. And remember how you're supposed to live. You're to live in such a way that, that when the unbelieving world sees how you handle sin and temptation, as they see how you respond to authority, as they see how you live out in your marriage, as, as they see how you handle conflict, and as they see how that even in the midst of the most difficult trials, you have joined peace, they will praise our Father in heaven and be drawn to him for salvation. Maple Grove, Peter exhorts us to re remember who you are, remember why you're here, remember how you are to live, and, and remember... Remember to arm yourself with the one weapon that our enemy fears the most, a weapon that has the power to demolish both him and the strongholds in our lives. Uh, Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1, Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves with the same attitude. Uh, what is the weapon that we're to arm ourselves with. It is the attitude of Christ. And, and what is that attitude that the enemy fears more than anything else? The attitude of selflessness. The attitude of it's not about me. Repeat after me. It's not about me. Not about me. I don't think you believed it yet, okay? It's not about me. It's not about me. Amen. And listen, as we saw last week in our message, Armed and Dangerous, every time, every time we say no to sin, every time we refuse to be wrongly influenced, every time we pray as if the end is near, every time we open up our lives to other people, every time we try to outserve others, and, and you know what, I, I got to give some props to, uh, to Maple Grove. Uh, we had some meetings yesterday, as you guys know, like two weeks ago. You know, you know, Bill stepped down from being on staff and took a full-time job somewhere. And, you know, when I found out he was leaving, you know, I entered the freak-out mode. And, and, and we had two meetings yesterday. And, and at the end of those meetings, I, I now have you know, three co-leaders for Buildings and Grounds. A bunch of people showed up at that meeting. And I now have two couples who are the co-leaders for guest services. May God is good. Thank you for the servants' hearts of this church. Right? It's, it's about serving. And every time that you and I, we run away from personal glory, we arm ourselves with selflessness, we arm ourselves with the, with the one weapon, the divine attitude that, 
makes us armed and dangerous and will defeat our powerful enemy. Well, that's where we've been in 1 Peter so far. And this morning, we're going to look at a a few more of these words that God breathed 2,000 years ago through Peter, words intended to comfort, encourage, and challenge us as we walk with Jesus in a world that is not our home. We're going to be unpacking 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 through 19, and a message, a conversation I'm calling The Beautiful Letdown, which, by the way, is the, is the title cut from my all-time favorite uh, Christian album by Switchfoot. Incredible album. It's the best, right? Come on. You know it's the best. Come on. It's still hanging in there all these years later, right? Beautiful Letdown. Uh, question, have you noticed uh, that the world... That life is full of letdowns? And have you noticed that these letdowns come in various shapes and sizes? I mean, we have physical letdowns, relational letdowns, financial letdowns, emotional letdowns, and spiritual letdowns. I mean, things and people and circumstances in life, they, they can let us down and they can, they can bring us down. In fact, there's probably one or two people in this room who at this very moment are facing the pain, the hurt, the sorrow, and the agony of a letdown. And listen, it's God's intention this morning to help us see those letdowns, those hardships, those difficulties in, in a different light, in a divine light, in his light, in the light that actually makes those letdowns beautiful. There are two points in your notes this morning. The first is the, the, the truth about letdowns, and the second point is the beauty of letdowns. And let's pray. Palms open if you like. God, we love you. We need you. And God, how awesome to know that you're a God who never gives up on us. That you're a God that holds the orphan in his arms. That you're a God who never delays. That you're a God who goes before us, who goes behind, who's on our side, who is our friend. And God, life gets hard, difficult, Lord. Waves crash, winds blow. And God, I pray today, Lord, that your words will speak to your people, God. God, help us to leave this place different. Help us to see our hardships in a different light, Lord, through the power of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, let's do this. When it comes to the truth about letdowns, the first thing that Peter says is, don't be surprised. Now, have you ever done something that when you did it, you were surprised but you shouldn't have been. Here's like my all-time personal example of being a total idiot, all right? Um, I'll set my story up with three images. A Coke can, a finger, and a fire, okay? One day they all came together and it wasn't pretty. You know, it was in 1991 and I was kind of volunteering uh, doing youth ministry with a friend of mine at a church we attended while in Bible college. I was 31, you think I'd be smarter? And we're sitting around a campfire, and we're, we're chunking in marshmallows and fire. And I, I go, oh, that's so cool. I like that. It's awesome. I threw in a Coke can, right? And a Coke can started getting really hot. And I go, that's really cool. Look at it. Look at it glowing. But then the embers moved, and the Coke can kind of fell out of the fire. And I go, oh, let me put that back where it belongs. And I reached in, grabbed the, ah! Uh, I was surprised. <laughs> but only an idiot is surprised that a Coke can in a fire would actually burn your fingers. I, I spent the next... Four hours literally going into the cooler, grabbing ice and going, and the ice would just literally melt. But really, it worked because it didn't get hurt too bad. 
I shouldn't have been surprised. Peter writes, dear friends, do not be surprised (laughs) at the painful trial you're suffering as though something strange were happening to you. I understand when life lets us down, when bad things happen, when hardships, difficulties, and, and trials come our way, when people hurt us and betray us, we shouldn't be surprised. In fact, Peter's saying that we should actually expect hardships. We should expect trials. We should expect suffering, which brings us to the next truth about letdowns is the Bible tells us to expect letdowns. You know, I don't think the Bible could be any clearer than this. I mean, if you were to word search of the, of the words hardships and trials and suffering, you'd see it's used over 135, 150 times in the New Testament. Peter uses the word suffering and hardship 20 times in his short letter. That means one out of every four verses in 1 Peter, Peter is talking about suffering. He's talking about letdowns. We read the following in in, um, Acts chapter 14. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. We must go through many what? Many hardships. And and Paul wrote this in Philippians chapter 1. For you have been given the not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, that's pretty good, I'm liking it so far, but also the privilege of, say what? Suffering for him. What's he talking about? It's crazy. Paul is actually calling suffering a privilege, or we could say something that is beautiful. Uh, The next truth about letdowns is that God's people have always suffered letdowns. In, In Hebrews chapter 11, there's a list of some of the People in the Old Testament, you know, Noah and and, and David and um, Moses and Abraham and and, and many others. And every one of these people, they they suffered. Even though they walked with God, they suffered. And many times they suffered because they walked with God. Check this out. And again, these are like real people. You know, when you cut them, they bled. When you hit them, they bruised. Some were mocked. Their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in dungeons. Some died by stoning. Some were sawed in half. Others were killed with the sword. Some went about in skins of sheep and goats, hungry and oppressed and mistreated. They were too good for this world. They wandered over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. And the apostle Paul, the, I think the letdown king of the New Testament, wrote the following about letdowns he experienced in 2 Corinthians. He says this, I I think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and completely overwhelmed, and we thought we would never live through it. Ever been there? (laughs) Just crushed and overwhelmed. There's no way. How am I ever going to get through this? You ever been there? Paul's been there. And Paul writes this. I love this. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we're not crushed and broken. We're perplexed, like, what is going on here? I don't get it. But we don't give up and quit. We're hunted down, but God never abandons us. We're knocked down, but we get up again and keep going. Through suffering, these bodies of ours constantly share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus. So the life of Jesus will be obvious in our dying bodies. And we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus. And we just got to take a moment to mention and pray for some of our brothers and sisters around the world. You know, like in Iraq right now. I mean, see, this is not 
It's not a flannel graph story to them. And Mosul and all that, you know, the radical Islams are telling them, you either deny Christ or you're dead. You deny Christ or you're dead. You know, and, and, and we're so blessed, aren't we? Right? You know, we're so blessed to be in a free country. And the you know, only thing that keeps us from God's house and God's people is us, right? And our own selfishness, right? And, and, and these people are going to, some are going to die. Some moms and dads and husbands and wife and children, they're going to die. Because they say, I'm not going to deny Jesus. And so I think they could use our prayers. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. And God, I, I lift up our brothers and sisters, the moms and dads and the husbands, the wives, the sons, the daughters, the grandparents, those in, in Mosul and other places in Iraq and around the world, Lord, where persecution is, is not just a concept. It's something they wake up to. It's something they live through. And it's something they go to bed to every day. And God, I just pray that they would feel your presence in a mighty way. God, I pray that you would give them strength and boldness, Lord. You know, to, to stay true to God, to not deny you, to not turn away, even though it could mean their own death or the death of their loved ones, God. And God, I pray that in some way you would show up for them like you showed up for Stephen in Acts chapter 7. God, I, I pray that when they look at the heavens, they see you in the clouds standing up, supporting them and being there to welcome them, God. And God, I pray that we don't forget them and we don't take for granted what we have. In Jesus' name, amen. The truth about letdowns is that we should not be surprised. The Bible tells us to expect them. God's people have always suffered, and you think about it, the one that we chose to follow, Jesus was no stranger to letdowns. Check out how Isaiah summarizes his life when he wore flesh. He says this about him. He was hated and rejected. His life was filled with sorrow and terrible suffering. Now, he didn't have to experience that because he loved us, he did. And understand, the one that we follow, when it comes to suffering and pain and heartache and rejection and disappointment, he's been there and he's done that. And he sees and he cares and he's watching. The fourth truth about letdowns is that we should not be surprised because we still live in the world, in this dark, broken, and fallen world. Now Peter says, dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you're suffering as though something strange were happening to you. Uh, now the word, Greek word that is translated strange there actually means Steve. No, it doesn't. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It actually means, well, maybe alien or foreign. Maybe it does mean Steve. In other words, he says, don't be surprised when you suffer painful trials because in this world you are a stranger and... Letdowns are its natural citizens. Remember, Peter's told us again and again that, that, that we're not home yet, that we're foreigners and aliens living in a strange land, a land where ever since, ever since the garden, pain, suffering, and hardship have been the natural order of things. No, the Coke can is not where it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be in a refrigerator, chilling, not burning my stinking finger off, right? Paul writes in Romans, for the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, and hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning. So 
creation saying, this is not how it's supposed to be. There's not supposed to be death and disease and heartache and corruption. Creation groans as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. It's not supposed to be this way. Jesus was in the upper room with his guys and he was heading to the garden. And as he gets to the garden, he says this to his guys. He says, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in your job. You may have peace in your retirement. You may have peace in your relationships. He didn't say that, did he? So you may have what? Peace in, in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. But take heart, because I have overcome the world. Jesus said, we have many trials and sorrows. And then why am I surprised? You know, uh, uh, why when something happens, a difficulty, I'm like grabbing a Coke can. Like, why, it, why did it happen? I'll get it. Listen, the bottom line is as long as you and I live on this earth, we'll have many letdowns, many trials, many sorrows. Because we're aliens, strangers, foreigners, outcasts on a mission for Christ in a world that is not our home. Why? Because we live in a world, as we already said, a world that has been messed up ever since the fall. Groaning in frustration and bondage. But understand, one day the frustration and bondage will end, right? Uh, one day Christ will come and he'll make everything right. One day death and disease and sorrow will be no more. You see, we weren't meant to live in this broken and fallen world. And, and, and that is why we will continue to have trouble until we finally get to go home. Get it? Now, how you doing? You feel encouraged today? I mean, aren't you glad you came? Like, hey, guess what, church? You think you've had troubles now? Guess what? More are coming. You're going to suffer more. You're going to have more pain. You're going to have more sorrow. And, uh, why did I come today? Why did I bring my friend to church today? Now, before you start looking for sharp objects or running out of those doors, I want to tell you the rest of the story. Because as the title of this message suggests, letdowns when viewed in God's light are beautiful. And this is a part of the message I, I can't wait to share. I mean, at 6.20 this morning, I had a post on Facebook say, hey, man, you got to be here for this. And if you're going through a hard time, you got to be here because God wants to say something to you. God wants you to see whatever you're going through that's hard and difficult. He wants you to see it in his light and the divine light that actually makes it beautiful. So what are some of the beauties of letdowns? Number one, uh, why they're so beautiful is that they remind us that we don't belong here. And check out one minute of Beautiful Letdown by Switchfoot. Here's some of those words. First service, I said, hey, I know you guys, I know you old people can't understand good music. So. <laughs> but I told him, I said, I said, I can't understand Bill Gaither either, so we're, we're in the same place. Uh, here's, what he, here's what he says. It was a beautiful letdown when I crashed and burned. When I found myself alone, unknown, and hurt, it was a beautiful letdown the day I knew that the riches this world had to offer me would never do. In a world full of bitter pain and bitter doubt, I was trying so hard to fit in until I found out I don't belong here. I don't belong here. And then he also said right at the end, you know, I will carry, so I will carry a cross in a song where I don't belong. Maple Grove, we don't belong here. Peter writes, dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are 
going through as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad because these trials will make you partners with Christ in his suffering. And afterward, you'll have the wonderful joy of sharing his glory when it's displayed to all the world. And when will Christ's glory be displayed to all the world? When, when that final trumpet sounds, when, when the sky cracks open, and when the King of Kings comes riding in, returning in all his glory to take us back home. No, we don't belong here. This world, it's not our home. This world, this place, these hardships, these difficulties, they are not our final destination. Get it? And, and let, that's kind of good news, right? I, I think it is. And, and let me tell you, those people in Hebrews 11 that we read about earlier, they got it. And, and they, these people boldly lived out the truth that, hey, we don't belong here. Check out these God-breathed words. Each one of these people, faith died, not yet having in hand what was promised, but still believing. How did they do it? They, they, they saw it way off in the distance, waved their greeting, accepted the fact that they were transients in this world. People who live this way make it plain that they're looking for their true home. If they were homesick for the old country, they could have gone back anytime they wanted. But they were after a better country than that, heaven country. You can see why God is so proud of them and has a city waiting for them. L listen, fellow Jesus followers, we don't belong here. Uh, we're headed to someplace else. We're headed to a far better country. We're headed to our true home. We're headed to heaven. We're headed to a perfect world. We're headed to a world without bitter pain and bitter doubt. We're, we're headed to a world without pain, without death, without disease, without divorce, without heartbreak, without heartache. Go home and read your Bible. Check it out. I didn't lie. And we're headed to a world, uh, headed to a world with the presence of God as, as an every moment reality. But we're not there yet. Someday, but not now. now. Understand, we will never find perfection in this life, in this world. There will be no perfect relationships. There'll be no perfect jobs, no perfect health, no perfect days, no perfect vacations, no perfect churches, no perfect anything. It's not going to happen, ever. So we need to stop trying to make it happen and expect it to happen and instead start seeing the beauty of our letdowns and allow them to remind us that I don't belong here. I mean, when you're let down, like, go, oh, man, I, I, I was thinking I belonged here. Thanks for reminding me that this isn't my home. Thanks for reminding me that, that, that I'm, I'm going somewhere else. I don't belong here. And listen, in the scope of eternity, we're not here that long. Right? I use this as an example of eternity. And I need an assistant. Jenny, would you be my assistant? Okay, she's going to run that rope. You know, this rope represents your life, and, and this is your life on earth. And this rope represents you know, the rest of your life, and actually it's longer than this. It keeps going, but this is the biggest rope I wanted to pay for it, right? <laughs> so you... <laughs> You got to imagine, and, and, and like, so, so this is our life here, right? And, and, and so this one-week trouble you're having is really small. You know, yeah, this could be hard. You're going to have many trials and heartaches here. I'm telling you, it's not always going to be great, but this is going to be amazing. This is going to be amazing forever, and it's never, ever, 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 ever going to end. Jesus told the church in Revelation chapter 2, verse 10, he told these believers, hey, you know what? I know it's going to be hard. 
Satan's going to take some of you. He's going to throw you in prison for 10 days. He did not mean a little 10 days. He said, yeah, it's going to be a period of time. Not insignificant, but 10 days to eternity. See, we don't belong here. We belong there. And that is where we are headed. That is where we are going. God, through Peter, is telling us to start allowing our letdowns to remind us that we're heading to a far better country, that we're heading to our, uh, our true home to our forever, where we will quickly realize just how small our dreams and ideas of perfection really were. I'm going to tell you, when we get to heaven, it is going to blow our minds. We can't even imagine how amazing it's going to be. And every day, it's going to get better and better and gooder and gooder and gooder. That day's coming, but not yet. We have to wait for it. And that's why Paul said this, said this, I consider that, that our present sufferings is not worth comparing to the glory that one day revealed. But Paul's saying, you're not going to get to heaven and see how awesome it is and go, seriously, God, that's all you got? You know, God, God I had a really bad week last week. You know, you know, I didn't get that parking spot. Hey, walk in the rain and this is the best you got, God? You're not going to do that. You're saying, Every bit was worth it. Paul says, therefore, we do not lose heart. Though hourly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we renew day by day, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Letdowns are beautiful because they remind us that we don't belong here. And they're also beautiful because they help you to become you. Understand, there really is a you that God created you to be. In fact, really, my main goal is a, as a pastor is to connect you to that you, is to help you live the life that God created you to live. Uh, Peter wrote these words about letdowns and, and how letdowns and hardships help you become you-ier, right? Uh, help you become more you, you-ier. And, and he says this. They come. You're like, okay, why do they come? I don't like them. He says, well, they come. So that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. He said, that's why they came. And Jesus' half-brother James said this, consider pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Seriously, James, you're crazy. How can I do that? doesn't make sense. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature, complete, not lacking in anything. See, why should we view letdowns as beautiful and consider them a cause of joy? Because letdowns, they refine our, our, our faith. They, they make us mature and complete because God uses hard times and difficulties to make you you to help you become the person that he always wanted you to be. Amen? Third, letdowns are beautiful because they draw us nearer to God. Count it a blessing when you suffer for being a Christian. This shows that God's glorious spirit is within you. Now, understand, God being with you, you being with God, it, you drawing near to him is the sole purpose of this earthly life. Listen, the all-powerful God, the God who carved out this universe with his words, wants you to know him. It, yeah, yeah, capital G God wants to be your friend. You know, the one who reigns forever, right? We're not just making that up, right? He's a friend of mine. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Listen, because of Christ, we can draw close to God. Every barrier has been removed by the blood of Christ. 
Come on, think about it. Small, frail, falling, fragile, finite, messed up you and messed up you. Get to know God. That's incredible. And it's what life is about. Jesus said in in the garden, right, in his prayer, he says, this is eternal life. That everything in your life works out the way you want it to. No. This is eternal life that you may know the only true God. And to know Jesus Christ, the one you sent. You see, letdowns are beautiful because there are opportunities for us to draw closer to God. See, God never wastes a hurt. Every hurt you go through, even the one right now, God wants to use it for you to draw closer to him. Larry Crabb wrote a book called Shattered Dreams. I put this quote right here in your notes. He said this. By the way, shattered dreams is another word for letdowns. Our, our shattered dreams are, are never random. They're always a piece in a larger puzzle, a chapter in, in, in a larger story. Pain is tragedy, but it's never only tragedy. For the Christian, it's always a necessary mile on the long journey to joy. The suffering caused by shattered dreams must not be thought of as something to to relieve if we can, to endure if we must. Instead, it's an opportunity to be embraced. It's a chance to discover our desire for the highest blessing God wants to give us, an encounter with himself. You see what he's saying? He's saying letdowns and shattered dreams and difficulties and hardships a reminder that our greatest desire and our greatest need is not for life to work out the way we want, and it's not for God to fix our problems. Instead, our greatest desire and need is about knowing God, is about being in his presence and having that be enough. I love this quote from John Piper. God is most glorified in us when we are what? Most satisfied where? In him. We say, hey, you're, you're enough. You're, you're enough. You know, it's not a coincidence that in my life, the times I've experienced the most growth and the times that I was the most aware of God's presence have been during periods of pain, trials, and suffering. You know, maybe you can relate. You know, tomorrow, July 28th, is the 18th anniversary of the day my first wife, Judy, won her battle with cancer and went home to her reward to be with God. And, and I got to tell you, during those dark times, man, God was real. And God showed up. And you know what hard times have done for me? You know, I don't know about you, but when things are going good, I don't really think I need God. I got it. God, there's people, you know, those people in Iraq, they need you. I don't. That's not true. And those hard times drive me to my knees, and they drive me to God and remind me that all I need and what I need is simply to be in my dad's presence. And I want to get to the point that I don't need a hard time to drive me to my knees. I want to already be there. <laughs> Let me already be there, God. You know? and, and that's where real life is. That's where grace and mercy and peace is when we are in God's presence. Uh, Larry Crabb wrote another book called The Pressure's Off, A New Way to Live. Uh, his, he has four books that have radically impacted my life. You know, it's like he wrote them for me, and they showed up just when I needed them. God, it's kind of cool that way. And he writes this to about a, someone who experienced the beauty of God's presence in the midst of a letdown. And listen, I'm reading, try to, try to listen. It says, it was Sunday about 2,000 years ago. As John wrote about what happened, he tells us that he was in the spirit, indicating, I think, that a sense of expectancy seized him. Likely after many desperate days of waiting on God to meet him on the rock he called home, the apostle was an old man living in the prison of a barren island, exiled there for a crime of preaching Jesus. Patmos was like Alcatraz. 
eating poorly, sleeping uncomfortably, performing hard labor that even a 20-year-old should be forced to do. Aware that the banner of disciples was gone, most of them martyred, and discouraged by the spiritual condition of several local churches. If John had followed the hopes of enjoying a better life, he would by now have been sorely disillusioned. But then Christ appeared to him. And notice, however, what didn't happen when he appeared. Christ did not bring John a mattress. He did not spread a table with good food. He did not magically lift John off Patmos and set him on the mainland to hold seminars in Sardis and Laodicea. What did happen was far better. The Spirit revealed Jesus Christ. I can hear John saying, my life is miserable, but I ask not for sympathy, not for help, and not for a miracle. Just give me Jesus. And that's what the Spirit did. It's a prayer God always eventually answers. Now, the Jesus whom John met that day did not appear as the gentle carpenter, the loving teacher, the good friend who once invited John to lean on his chest after dinner. Listen to how John describes the Jesus he saw that day. His head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow. His eyes were bright like flames of fire. His feet were as bright as the bronze refined in the furnace, and his voice thundered like mighty ocean waves. He held seven stars in his right hand, and a sharp two-edged sword came out of his mouth, and his face was as bright as the sun in all its brilliance. Larry Crabb writes, small wonder that when John saw him, he fell at his feet as dead. Not even for a moment did it occur to him to say, could you get me off this rock? <laughs> and I really could uh, use a cup of hot coffee. It sure is cold in this miserable place. And then he concludes with this, really listen. More is available to us in Jesus Christ than we dare to imagine. There's more to Jesus Christ than we've ever dreamed. We've experienced so little of him. Listen. We've experienced so little of him when we approach him only with request. Uh, We taste so little of the mouth-stopping, complaint-ending, deep-desiring all that that his presence creates when we think more about our problems and how to solve them than meeting him. But we experience so little of the joy that sustains us in suffering and the hope that anchors us amidst shattered dreams when we come to him looking for the pathway out of hardships instead of the pathway into his presence. Wow. That is so awesome. Man, allow your problems and difficulties, church, We need to allow them to help us find God. God, let me go through my problems and find you there and find you faithful. God brought you here this morning to let you know that letdowns are beautiful because they remind you, hey, you don't belong here. They help you become you here. They they draw you closer to God. They, They deepen your relationship with him. And fourth, they give us an opportunity to bring God glory. Listen, when when we suffer, and I always see it this way. See, we're going through a hard time whether we want it or not. We are placed in the center ring, right? Circus center ring. Center ring. And everybody's watching us, right? The unbelieving world is watching us. Other believers are watching us and say, okay, is this God for real? I mean, it's easy to praise God, right, and worship him when you're sitting on the the deck of a cruise ship sipping iced tea, right? Right? Whoa, I love God, you're awesome. But if your ship turns into the Titanic, right, you know, it's a little bit harder, right? When that thing is sinking and you're still saying, you know what, God is still good. He's still faithful. And I still love him. 
See, hard times, man, are the opportunity to bring God glory like no other. Paul said this in Philippians chapter 1, verse 12. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that, was, that what has happened to me, yeah, I was beaten, I was thrown into prison, has actually served to advance the gospel. Say what? You know what? I have seen that happen again and again and again in the lives of Jesus followers who are going through hard times, maybe a divorce, forced to be a single parent, maybe a disease, maybe a death of a loved one, maybe a loss of finances, right? And, and I saw these people, you know what? Uh, they became better, not bitter. Uh, they became victors, not victims. And I watched them just rise a level of faith around them. I've seen people come to Jesus for salvation and have their eternal destiny changed because they watched somebody and said, how in the world? You know? As a matter of fact, there is a guy named um, Jim. I can't remember his last name now. It's been so long. You know, um, he, he was attending our church in Tampa, and when he watched my wife Judy, he just said, I want what she has. And he surrendered to Christ and was baptized. And there was a guy who was born blind, and he didn't know why. And, and, and he, he, Jesus met him in John chapter 9. He goes, what, why? Is it because I sinned? My parents sinned? No one knew why. And, and can we throw that verse on the screen? Because I didn't memorize it. <laughs> and I'm standing here for a fact. Maybe not. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. The disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned this man or his parents? Said he was born blind. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened. So the work of God might be displayed in his life. And why did it happen? Why did difficulties come? So God's glory can be displayed in your life. I want to show you a, a video of a guy you know, who was born with some really difficult things and how he came to the point to realize the reason why was so that God could use it for his glory. Check out Nick's story right here. Amen. Amen. You know, there's a quote by Nick where he said, you know, if God doesn't remove the circumstance, he wants to use it. Use it for who? Well, first for, for God and for God's glory so that the work of God might be displayed in our lives. When we're going through hard times. God wants to display his glory through our lives. And I mean, the things that Nick gets to do, he gets to go places that the gospel can't, the Bible can't. And God is using him in a great way, and God wants to use all our pain, all our sorrow, all our suffering to bring him glory, and also he wants us to use it for other people. Paul writes this, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the God of all comforts, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. See what he's saying? We go through a hard time, and God shows up. I mean, who better to walk alongside someone who's gone through a divorce and someone who's gone through a divorce? Who better to walk through with someone who's lost her, a spouse through death than someone who's gone through the same thing? See, God shows up and comforts us, and we use our comfort to comfort others, and God gets the glory. And Peter concludes this section, we're almost done, with these words. I love this. So if you're suffering, keep on doing what is right and trust yourself to God who made you 
for he will never fail you. So if you're suffering, you're in a hard time, you're in a difficult situation, God says, keep on doing what is right and and trust yourself to God who made you and he will never fail you. Yes, Maple Grove's letdowns are beautiful. I I didn't say they're easy. I I didn't say they're fun. I I didn't say they're painless. But I did say they're beautiful. Why? Because they remind us that we don't belong here. Thank God we don't belong here. And, and, and because, they, because they help us become the person God wants us to do. They, they refine our faith. They help us become you we are. And because they draw us closer to God, and he's what we need. And because they provide an opportunity for us to bring God glory. I'm going to close with how Switchfoot closes their song. It's kind of cool because they're like, they're like shouting to the world, right? I don't belong here. Feels like I don't belong here. No, I don't belong here. And they say in the world, won't you let me down? Come on, let me down. You always let me down. So glad that I'm let down. Yeah, come on, let me down. Oh, please, won't you let me down? So, hey, come on, let me down. Let me down. Bring it on. Like Nick said, bring it on. If one person could be saved because I have no arms or legs, then bring it on. He said, hey, bring it on, because when letdowns come, you know what? I'm going to let it remind me that I'm not where I'm supposed to be. I'm going to let it draw me closer to God. I'm going to let it mold and shape me who I want to be. And I'm going to let God work through it to bring me glory. So come on and let me down. Amen. Would you stand and pray with me? Before I pray, let's give God just a shout because he's so good. Yeah! Heavenly Father, God, we come into your presence, and God, we thank you that this world isn't the end, that the end of our story as believers has been written, and it's a good one. And God, I pray that for those in this room, maybe you're going through a really hard time, God, that your spirit continues to to speak to them, and they can see that it it really can be beautiful, and and you can use it for something awesome. And God, thank you for being faithful. Thank you for always being there. Thank you in our darkest times, that you've never given up on us, that you always pursue us. And thank you, God, for our salvation. And God, I just pray as we worship in just a second that we praise you like we never have before and just celebrate what we have because of you. So good to know the ending of our story. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to sing, and if you're here today, and maybe you're going through our time, and, and, and I just want to encourage you, you know, you could come up here and have some prayer. If you want to pray yourself, I mean, that's, if you're feeling, you know what, life's been hard, and, 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 and it's been really hurting, and I hear God speak, and I just want to kneel up here and pray. You can do it where you're at. Somebody can pray for you, you know, but, you know, if you're going through a hard time, you know, there, there's no shame in admitting it, right, and getting some prayer. So we're going to sing this song about our God, how he's always there. <laughs>